Sandusky Register Sports Podcast. We've got the dynamic duo here in a dark room in the third floor of the Register <laughs> building. Uh, myself, Drew Bishop, in the host chair, and uh, I'm joined by lead sports reporter Billy Hayen. And uh, unfortunately, we're going to log our sports editor Brian Collars as a DNP for this pro- or for this podcast due to illness, Billy. Illness, yep. Brian's trying to rally for this evening, but uh, he's taking it easy on his uh, voice this afternoon. Well, it's an important stretch of time for the register ahead with tournaments coming up, so looking to get him back to full strength, full strength in, in exactly. time for the most important part of the year, just as just as a sports team would handle <laughs> exactly, an injury, exactly. right? Right. Uh, but speaking of tournaments, we have plenty to uh, discuss, Billy, as the uh, the girls' tournament is upon us. What is the first game for our local teams? Is it? We're recording this on a, uh, on a Friday. It'll be uh, next Wednesday. Okay, so February 16th is when we're recording this so five days from now uh we'll be looking at the start um of girls tournament draws and uh we're obviously going to talk about all of our local teams but before we get into all that there's been some big changes um in the ohsaa billy that i think you're rather informed on um and i think a lot of people are curious about um the uh you know extension to seven divisions uh, for ohsaa sports and um i guess give us a little breakdown for anyone that's unfamiliar talk a little bit about it yeah so yesterday drew the ohsaa board of directors unanimously approved expansion to the divisions in seven sports five sports will go from four divisions to seven boys and girls basketball volleyball, baseball, and softball. All have had four divisions for more than 30 years, starting in 2024-25. They'll have seven in the postseason, and both boys and girls soccer will go from three to five. So you're looking every school year, you're looking at 19 new state champions based on the divisional expansion, um, which means you know multiples and multiples of more regional champions and district champions. It'll, it'll mostly eliminate what we call the, the sectional rounds of these tournaments. Um, because there'll be less early rounds in smaller postseason fields. Um, there's some speculation what it means for the final four in each mm. sport. You know, yeah. can you host? You probably can't host. You know, 14 state semifinals at one arena over a certain span of days. And so, does that mean you sort of the luster of making the final four drops off a little bit? Um, the OHSA has not finalized plans in any sport for that particular uh, thing yet. But yeah, it's 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 huge news. It's it's one of the biggest probably changes and. Ohio high school sports mm. ever um, in terms of how it will just change change things for 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 hundreds of schools every postseason things will be you know a little bit different well you wrote another great article kind of um, cataloging some of the responses from local coaches in the area to this change um, of course people can go check it out on our website sanduskyregister.com but I guess give us a little preview of what that looks like what was kind of the pulse in talking to those people so so one, one big thing to note is that this will affect the state's largest schools we're talking you know Perrysburg and mentor and schools like that the most because division one in all these sports you know we'll take boys basketball Division one had schools with 2,000 boys and it had schools with less than 400 like Sandusky. So th- those division ones schools, there'll be small divisions. And then a school like Sandusky will get out of that situation where they're 1,000 boys shorter. And Sandusky, for example, will be D3 out of seven in boys basketball mm. next year. For, for most of the schools that we cover that are smaller than Sandusky, there's not going to be a lot of change. Their division number will be lower. Like take Huron Volleyball. They'll be Division 5 next year. Mm. You know, they've won all five of their state championships in Division 3 in the four-division setup. Mm. But most of the D5 teams will be the teams that were in D3 mm. with how they've broken down smaller, large school divisions and then just sort of dropping it down. Um, most schools will be with their their brackets will look pretty similar with a few teams going a little further or a little less down. But but so so Don Wood yesterday, for example, said, um, you know, for them, it's it's not going to look that different. He 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 likes it for what it does for those larger schools and how it breaks it up. But that he uh, you know he expects you know their their district's going to be difficult like it always is. Right, right. Generally unchanged, but of course, you know, this is a, a massive you know shift, like you're saying. Um, real quick before we wrap up and move into tournament, I also noticed somebody. I mean, I'm I, I'm blanking on on who it was was asking you about on Twitter about the individual sports like wrestling, like track and field, and you answered that it's kind of something that's going to be resolved down the line. Those sports remain static yeah, in the, the current format. Yeah, yeah. The OHSA has already said specifically that they've had meetings about track and field hmm. and expanding. They've in their release yesterday with the news, they acknowledge that they've already had meetings about track and field. I expect track, wrestling, cross country, uh, tennis, bowling, sort of the individual ish team sport, you know, as opposed to really full team sports. I expect it to happen, if not for this next school year, probably for the following one. 
I imagine there's 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 only so many logistics you can take on at one time in making a change as the OHSA. Mm-hmm. Um, but but expansion is definitely coming in the other sports. Mm-hmm. Certainly, and we'll keep an eye on that. And of course, go and check out um, you know some of the great coverage on SanduskyRegister.com on you know this big shift. Definitely something uh, if you have investment in high school sports, you should be paying attention to. Let's talk girls hoops. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's talk. Uh, let's start off. We're just going to go right down in order, Billy. We're going to go D one, two, three, four, and talk about those districts uh, where our local teams are playing. We're going to start um, in region uh, the the Cary region or Cary district, I should say, in Division one. Um, we've got 11 seeded Toledo start. Um, they'll visit the big house and they'll face off against the nine seeded uh, Sandusky Blue Streaks, Billy. And this is our only local team in this uh, district, in this region. Um, so I guess talk a little bit about Sandusky and I guess their their prospects. Been a team that um, has been kind of a pleasant surprise this year, I would say. I, I agree with you. I, I think it's been awesome to see now under John Winborn in his second year. He's brought just an awesome energy to that program. And it's really cool. This is the first year that better seeds are hosting sectional games, and it mm-hmm. means that Sandusky is hosting a sectional final girls basketball game in the big house. It'd be cool to see that place be packed on a Saturday night for yeah. this. Um, Toledo start kind of a sneaky seed. They scheduled really tough this year because they have a stud senior, Sinead Douglas, who's a Michigan State commit, but she's out for the year. So they played this tough schedule, lost a lot more games than they would have expected. So I think their seed's a little misleading. They're still a solid team. I think them and Sandusky will get up and down. And it uh, it should be a good matchup, but but like you said, I mean, touch on it. I mean, the, the Ramos sisters or Kai Collier. This has been a fun team. Yeah, and I I think that the way that they play is um, it's very fun to see kind of the mirrors of boys and girls basketball because they too yeah. they try to play a very uh, up tempo style. Yeah, they're playing street ball too. Right, and sometimes it can catch up to them. But when you have a player like May Ramo, who you know we've we've marveled about just like how amazing she is. It's not just you know her quickness and her offensive ability, but you know as far as uh, defense and creating buckets and transition steals. She's one of the more fun players to watch in that regard. So it has been fun. And I, I'm with you in the sense that it feels like there's a lot less interest and draw with the women's uh, blue streaks team. And I feel like, you know, them getting back to maybe some postseason success, it can kind of boost that up a little bit. I mean, the coolest thing I see is that the boys basketball team that we'll talk about next week on the podcast, they're all there. Yeah. All these girls games that, that says to me, like, yeah, this is fun basketball to watch. So it'll be it'll be cool to see a, a full full house for a, for a tournament game. The one other interesting point of intrigue here is if Sandusky does beat Start, they'll likely play Fremont Ross in a district semifinal. Mm. Which uh, obviously people in Sandusky enjoy San- anything Sandusky Ross. That'd be a tough tough draw <laughs> for the Blue Streaks against Destiny Robinson and company. But it would be cool. I mean, that'd be really cool. I mean, just to just to have that. You know, a Sandusky Ross girls basketball district semifinal, that'd be fun. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Let's move into uh, Division Two now. We've got a few more uh, local teams to discuss. This is our uh, Old Fort District, uh, and we're going to start off. We're going to talk about the top seed that we have, at least. uh, That's two-seeded Lady Red. Bellevue will play host to Toledo Woodward, the 16th seed. Uh, next week and you know for the lady red belly i you know there were a couple bumps in the road to start the year of course they dropped that um, early season game against perkins on the road and uh you know some questions about their offense but it really feels like they've uh you know started to rally around their team identity they're playing their best basketball you were at norwalk for um you know a very important game uh the lady red they'd already clinched a league title but it was for the um you know the right to say it was outright undisputed uh and they did that they came back from a half halftime deficit and we were even texting during that game and you said you know Norwalk's playing really well I'm not sure how Bellevue comes back and Bellevue came back with what they do best defense yeah their defense and they've won 11 games in a row in their defense they, they literally they call their press chaos <laughs> and that's what it causes for other teams um, sometimes Caitlin Torinsky the 6'3 sophomores at the front of it starting the chaos and sometimes she's at the back making sure that anybody who gets in there is not going to score. I mean, she's a game changer for them. Haley Reese has picked up her game, you know, to even another level in this last month or so, um, you know, going over a thousand points, multiple games in the high 20s, low 30s for scoring. Um, I would not want to play Bellevue right now. Um, and certainly Toledo Woodward won't be an obstacle. Uh, the winner of Scott and Fostoria, which I expect to be Fostoria, shouldn't be an obstacle. And uh, then you get into the good stuff. We could have an SBC Lake uh, District Semi if uh, 
if a couple teams uh, right, do right, their thing. Right, looking at Norwalk and Bellevue potentially playing for that right yeah. to go to a district final. We could get final. a Perkins-Norwalk-Sectional final. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if we get that, then you're looking at a Bellevue against one of them in a district semi. <laughs> It'd be a lot of fun. And I love that you, you know, I love what you say about Terinsky because um, I think watching her as a freshman, uh, you see a lot of promise and you see a lot of uh, potential. And you kind of wonder which direction it goes. I mean, she's an athlete that we're not very familiar with seeing, right? Such a tall, you know, lanky right. figure. And the way she's adapted, like you mentioned, her being at the f- front of the press, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll be watching Bellevue and you'll kind of have to take a second look. You have to blink and rub your eyes and be like, is that a 6'4 player leading the front of the diamond or, or whatever type of press they're running? And she does it really well in her side-to-side movement. Um, you know, you even kind of notice her confidence going up and, and rising, her dribbling ability. The way she's developing kind of tells you this is going to be scarier and scarier and scarier. She's not going to be a liability in any way in the future. Oh, not at all. And to, to your point, I mean, there were probably four or five shots Norwalk took the other night. They're just sort of taking because they're normal shots that you take in girls basketball, and the only player in the you know district who's blocking them is Caitlin Turitsky. It's like surprising when she reaches out from who knows where <laughs> to block your shot because nobody else is doing it. But but it's it's that much of a difference maker. I, I will be interested to see the one sort of X factor is probably Ellie Freitag, the yeah. freshman point guard. Like that sort of probably makes or breaks. You know, do you go an extra round or two? Um, or not, but she's impressed me too as the season's gone along. She sort of settled in. Yeah, that's been interesting. Her being inserted in the starting lineup, and I agree, she's been a little quieter. And I'd love to see a game where they really need an extra six point, you know, and two threes in a in a quarter right. to you know stab back. She'll be key in that regard. Um, let's move into our next team here and talk a little bit about a local on local matchup. We've got uh, the 13 seeded Vermilion Sailors. Uh, they'll visit Norwalk to face the four seeded Truckers, and we already touched on uh, that Norwalk Bellevue matchup, which you know, of course, is a tough loss uh, for the Truckers. But they've you know they've had their fair share of success. I guess a little bit of concern for me have been those two recent Lake losses, Billy. Of course, we weren't on site for them uh, losing to to Perkins, but uh, you know, then they lose to Bellevue and you kind of got to answer a couple questions about where you stand as a team, but they still have a lot of weapons, right? And we, we should believe that this team has as good of a chance as anyone in this district. Yeah. I mean, I think they'll enter with a lot of belief, right? You know, they saw, they watched last year's team, you know, lose that win or, you know, not get anything game with Bellevue at the end of the year. And then went to the regional final, mm. obviously a very different group. And I think I haven't given it enough credit for how different a group it is. You've got Abby Koenig and Kenzie Smith, but then you got a lot of new. Yeah. But they, they have been impressive. The younger players like Emmy Leber have been impressive. Trinity, Trinity Lazar has been excellent. Trinity Lazar. Her confidence. I agree. And and so, yeah, I wouldn't write Norwalk off at all. Their, their issues lately have been they haven't scored, mm. right? And, uh, you know, at some point you're going to have to score. Um, Is this true that they dribbled out three, four minutes of time in that in that Bellevue game the other day? Three and a half minutes. They, they, at the, the four-minute mark of the first half, they got the ball. They brought it over half court. And they sort of went to their spread set. And what Brock Manlet said afterwards was that they figured Bellevue would come out and it would create driving lines. Mm. And when Bellevue didn't come out, it sort of became like a game of chicken. Um, and, and they dribbled out three and a half minutes. They had a four-point lead at that point. Um, Torinsky ended up with a steal score to break the stall and, and get Bellevue down two at the half. Um, it was just odd. I was surprised only in the sense, and this isn't a Billy shot clock take, I was just surprised in the sense that they were playing well. And I think at that point when you're playing well, you you keep initiating. Um but both teams were in a little foul trouble. I could see it from both sides. I sort of got it. Mm-hmm. But it was it is sort of interesting. You just sort of erase four minutes from a really good game. Um, I want to, before we get past this, just want to shout out Abby Rhodes from Vermilion playing on a torn ACL. Mm. She had a bunch of games in double figures. She hits threes. Um, I can't imagine playing, you know, full basketball games, running up and down a court, jumping and stuff on a torn ACL. So, um, And she was a good goalkeeper with it too. So, And she's going to play softball with it, I'm sure. At this point, she's committed to the – to the, to the thing at this point, right? Mm-hmm. She's going to play out her senior year, so that's really fun. Um, it'd be a t- tough uh, tough matchup for them, but if they can keep Norwalk, you know, down, you've got a player like Rhodes who can hit threes and Claire Bartlemay who can uh, score inside. You know, you never know what could happen. Yeah, and certainly we'll keep an eye on on that matchup as well. Let's move into our next tier, nine-seeded Lexington, the Minutemen. They'll visit uh, Perkins High School uh, facing the seven-seeded Pirates, and uh, Perkins continues to be uh, one of the more intriguing teams that we cover, uh, at least on the girls' side of things, Billy. I I just I love watching them and and how they operate and the different weapons and how they handle it. If you told me that they lose this game by twenty, or if they win this game by twenty, I think I believe you either way. 
what's your analysis? And I guess let's talk long-term prospects. If they're able to get past this first matchup, could they do damage against a team that they know very well, like Bellevue, like Norwalk teams that they've beat earlier in the season? Right. I mean, I think they've both proven they can beat those like foes. They've proven they can defend and, and limit scoring, which is good. You've got the two-headed monster, right? You've got Cam Van Vleren, you've got Kendall Zyre, and you know some. You know, if you got two of the three best players on the floor in a tournament game, you got a chance, right? Mm. Um, Van Vleren has been awesome lately. She's yeah. been double figures, eleven games in a row, like like every single game. She's just really, really good. You were at that Fremont Ross game. She had twenty-two, 22 right? Kept a minute. Yeah, yeah. She she's she continues to take a game to another level, um, and you know it might be a, it might be a case Perkins upside here might be. You know, can Haley Bruner or Jordan Bruner or or someone else, Ellie Mannion, hit a couple shots in big moments? And they're capable, mm-hmm. but but that's, you know, it's fine margins this time of year. I will say the Lexington draw is a little unfortunate. They're playing really well. They just beat Shelby last week after the draw. Really? You know, so it's one of those after the draw wins that would have, you know, impacted the seeding. Um, so that, that's a, it's not a great draw for Perkins, but but they showed last year they got to the district final. I mean, they won a district semifinal 23 to 19, Drew. Like, this team is capable. That was not a basketball game. That was a wrestling match. This team can do it this time of year, so I wouldn't write them off. And I think, at least for me in watching Perkins, I think the number one key for them has to be uh, discipline because they've been in so many of these games where their depth is hurting them because of how many fouls they're committing. I mean, they're playing basketball games with a lineup of players with, you know, they'll have three with three each and then two with you know, four fouls a piece and you're sitting there and you're at the end of game situation and you almost have to, you're playing a second game with yourself where you're deciding, yes. can we throw in a body just to have a few fouls to give? Or right. we, this person, we absolutely cannot allow them to be close to the ball because of, you know, their foul trouble. So, you know, discipline has been an issue in that regard. And I know they try to play aggressive and physical, but I think they need to find that, you know, medium point yep. where they can allow their stars to play the entirety of the game and right. not be limited on their minutes. I agree. Uh, let's talk about the final matchup here we have in our uh, Division II uh, Old Fort District. Uh, that's 10-seeded Clyde, uh, and they'll visit 5-seeded uh, Port Clinton, who, uh, of course, has been receiving a lot of attention uh, in the news uh, with DeCaria Lanier's uh, big achievement of becoming the the all-time leading scorer, boys and girls, uh, in program history. Uh, Billy, am I... Am I off base to say that this feels like an upset spot like that this Clyde team obviously they do not have Katie Sheets which is a, a difficult point but it, this feels closer than a 5-10 what say you I disagree I, I like Clyde I like the freshmen they have I like their future I like Blaze Bainey I was gonna tell you that shoot I don't want to run up against DC Lanier in the uh, tournament no I, I mean like to me her every game her passing gets better she's become a better three-point shooter as the season's gone on She's got 1,600 career points, Drew. I don't want to play her. Mm. I don't want to, you know, they play Mansfield Senior if they win. Mansfield Senior's two of their three losses have come in the last two weeks. They're not playing great. I wouldn't want to be them in phase DC. Mm. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Portland can go on a little run. You know, obviously you'll need some scoring from the Olivias, Spencer and Emerson, and you'll need Erie Buckley to do her thing down low, but um, they, they can be in it. Now, that, that takes nothing away from Clyde. Tatum Jeffrey has gotten to the line at, at will. You know, Kensley Goon, another Kensley freshman. Goon, yeah. You got, you know, Coral Liskai and Aubrey Sangstock, some sturdy seniors down low. They have good pieces, but but I, I think without Sheets, you know, uh, Port Clinton will be too much, and I wouldn't be shocked to see Port Clinton go on a little run. You're a big fan of Reese Daniel as well. She's developed quite a bit this season, especially mm-hmm. from deep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the winner of this matchup goes on to face uh, that one seed, as you mentioned, Mansfield Senior. Um, if they were able to win, that potentially sets up a, a matchup with maybe a three-seeded Shelby um, or maybe uh, Central Catholic in the sixth spot. I, I was before we got out of this bracket. I was just going to say Toledo Central Catholic is the best fourteen and six team in the state. You mm. looked, they played one of those like schedule everybody kind of schedules, an independent really? okay. non league. We're playing everybody. They got a, a senior center Brooklyn Vaughn who's going to Loyola Chicago Division One. <laughs> they got a senior point guard Kaniya Clay, lefty who's really good. Um, uh, our area teams besides Port Clinton being on the other side of this bracket is a really good break because. Central Catholic is as likely as anybody on that top half to, to make the district final. Mm-hmm. And, of course, count it, folks. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's six local teams in that 
district. So good chance we have a district final one way or another uh, to cover. Of course, you know, this is uh, this is our local version of March Madness. So anything can happen. Upsets uh, can happen in the tournament, but we'll be keeping I'll our eyes on it. see you in crew. <laughs> uh, we'll be there. That'll be the place to be a, a couple weeks from now. Let's uh, let's move into uh, this Division Three Shelby district uh, that has some of our uh, our local Bay teams uh, participating in it. We'll start off uh, with the team uh, in the Bay. That's one-seeded Margareta Polar Bears, and they'll ho- play host to 12-seeded um, Galleon to start. Um, and, you know, obviously, just as we mentioned, anything can happen, but I do want to treat the Polar Bears with a little different gloves and maybe talking about their first round matchup i think that's one they'll take care of and the next one um and probably the next one after that what i do think is interesting billy and i want to go back to our preview podcast is when we talked about the polar bears you know it was lily edwards and eden palomo and reagan heck and of course all those players playing pivotal roles and and eden with that unfortunate injury um being absent Uh, but now we get to the end of the season and it's really been a lot about the sophomores it's been about cassidy lane inside and um, and Elise Schaefer from three, and even Kennedy Saylor off the bench has been a really an athletic force, a great six-man for them. Um, and I just think it's interesting how Margareta it always seems to, they, they just have different players pop up, and that's kind of what was going on last year um, at this time. You know, they just had different girls filling different roles, and um, of course they got a, a helping hand from Kylie Leibacher. But just, I guess, speak on that a little bit. Their depth feels like something that's such a weapon at this point in the season. Oh, it definitely is. And I think I think we knew heading into the year off air we were like yeah right know, Cassidy and Elise they can play right and you know you never want to over over oversell the hand but but yeah they, they can beat you in so many ways I, I think the the key for them here lately has been that Reagan Heck has just put her foot on the gas a little mm. bit um you know sort of since the calendar flipped you know she's just really aggressive she's taking threes that she didn't use to take she's taking mid-range shots she didn't use to take and she's as skilled as you know anybody in the area and so if you've got an aggressive Reagan Heck you know, that, that creates openings for Elise to get shots. It creates openings for Cassidy Lane and Julia Berg down low. creates openings for Lily. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to play them. And, and like you said, the way these brackets break down, they'll face the 12th seed and the 11th seed, and then it's probably upper Sandusky to 4th seed, and they won't cause them an issue either. Yeah. There's there's a couple good teams on the other side of this bracket that'll make for a good district final, I think. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, we're, we're you're, you know, it's the time of year where the Margareta Polar Bears uh, – Get ready to go on a run, and usually they do. Yeah, climb that mountain, as uh, as Ray Neal likes to say. And I do agree, Reagan Heck, and um, you know she was even battling illness a, a month ago and trying to play through it best she could. And you know even with her kind of being fifty percent, you know they just have a lot of different girls, even off the bench, who are willing to step in and yeah. kind of just add that helping hand. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, as far as Colonel Crawford goes. You know, how do you think they they match up? I'm more worried about Clear Fork. Really? Okay. I I watched Clear Fork beat Bellevue at Bellevue. I was at that game. Mm. Um, I watched Clear Fork knock a pretty good Huron team out of the postseason last year. Mm. Um, Their their coach, Scott Sellers, does a great job. They've got their all-time three-point leader, Annika Labaki, who, you know, you never want to run into a good three-point shooter in the tournament. That's a, you know, an easy recipe for an upset. Clear Fork was a D2 team for a long time, so they haven't really been in these Margareta brackets. They just dropped down last year. Mm so I, I'd be most worried about Clearport. Colonel Crawford's got a few good wins and a few odd losses, and I'm not. Margaret has knocked them out before. They don't scare me that much. Well, let's segue into since you're mentioning Clearport, mm-hmm. uh, they're set to um, if they take care of business in round one uh, to face Huron, nine seeded Huron for a sectional title, and and just another one of these weird wrinkles of the brackets, right? The Huron Tigers, uh, they're going to get a bye, and that's just simply because higher seeds have chosen uh, not to be near Clearfield. <laughs> and also, you know, sometimes it's play your, you know, your individual your or your sectional semi rather than than get a bye. You yeah. know, their kids, you, you want to get run. Um, but let's just have a quick word on Huron, who it feels like. You know, they've just been battling adversity constantly, absences left and right. It starts off the season with Julia Brown and and then it goes, you know, with Annabelle Herzog. And I think I saw Addie Lasivita in a boot in a yeah, photo the yeah. other night. And, and they're sitting there playing with six girls most times. But it felt it feels like they fought past a, a lot of those moments and, and still have put together some good basketball. Yeah, yeah. They, they play pretty good basketball. Jess Brown has impressed me in her yeah. first year as sort of the varsity point guard there. Addie Lasivita has done what we expected her to do i think um you know it's it's a it's a team that next year when you add julia brown back to the mix and you've got everybody else with some more experience they could be interesting next year um it would definitely be a tough tough climb for them against clear fork in the tournament but you you know when you're that group you hope to continue finding 
you know, positive things that you can point to and build on. And so, you know, you hope you go on the road and you, you, you know, play, play your heart out in the tournament game and, uh, you know, can, can sort of use that as motivation heading into next year. Yeah. Next year, I think, is the optimal talking point. D.C. Lanier will have graduated from Port Clinton. And, of course, you're looking at a tough Margareta team, but this Huron squad, <laughs> yeah. they're not going to lose. Huron's not going to lose anybody, I don't think. Herzog I, I, and we'll Schmidt. Be, Schmidt, right. right. Yeah. But they, as far as, right, they have... They have players in the wings, and and they're gonna be. They'll be solid next. They're gonna, they're gonna be solid. Let's talk about uh, another matchup here in this district. Uh, six seeded Willard hosting eight seeded Edison. Um, and Billy, just a, a quick word here on on a Bay matchup. These teams have seen each other twice this year uh, for a third time here. And, and what do you expect from it? Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting when you get these early in the tournament where Willard will go in knowing they've beat Edison both times they've played, once by 15, once by 7. Like, does that does that give you more confidence? Does that give you overconfidence? It's interesting to see how it plays out. Um, but it, it should be a pretty good game, I would expect. Both teams have good front court players. You know, Georgia Byington for Edison, Reese Bettingfield for Willard. And, uh, you know, certainly one of those no secrets, you know, probably you just uh, – which. It, one team's going to have somebody make three or four big plays, and that'll be the team that that uh, moves on. Yeah, and I think Chelsea Migro in her first year at the helm has gotten the most out of uh, you know those players and has developed. You know, we've seen someone like Audrey Linder improve more and more as the season gone has gone on. Stella Brown has been uh, solid at the guard position, and um, you know, knowing Migro and how much investment she puts in even you know the bitty levels and stuff like that, I think she's going to be able to get the most out of this program for a long time to come. Well, yeah, and they'll have. Almost everyone back next year. Um, the thing that's interesting when I was looking at Edison's stats earlier today is they're, like, super balanced scoring-wise. Mm. And sometimes I wonder to myself if in the tournament, like, you need somebody to go get you 18 or yeah. 20, you know? And and who knows? But And somebody might. You know, Ivy Cluding might do that, or, or Taylor Moore might do that. But um, it's interesting. They're really balanced. They have a good vibe. And uh, they'll go down there. They'll, they, they won't be, they'll feel like they got nothing to lose, right? They're taking a trip to Willard. You're playing the team that's beat you twice. Hey, why not? Uh, why not end their season? Mm. All right. Well, on those words, we'll move into our next division here. We're going to talk division four. A couple teams here. This is the uh, Willard District, and uh, we're going to start with, the, of course, uh, you know, last night's big story. We're recording this on a Friday, and, and Billy, just last night, you were uh, in Lakeside, Danbury, uh, covering the the Lady Lakers and uh, facing off against the Golden Bears and. Uh, what a what a game! What an upset! And I guess let's just talk about that game in a in a vacuum before we talk about Danbury's postseason. Dude, uh, that, that was such a good game. I remember <laughs> I was at the first meeting in Gibsonburg. That was a forty twenty nine Gibsonburg win. So it was one of those like dog fight, you know, slugfest defensive battles in a packed house that was really fun just because of the environment. And it's like, yeah, maybe it'll live up to that. And the last night it's a packed house and it's 61-59 and Ellie Everett scores 34 and it's a shot from beyond half court and Danbury weathers the whole storm and wins anyways. <laughs> Senior night for the Lakers too. I mean, what the heck? That, that was just, that was basketball at its finest. That's high school sports, man. And, and you could not get a better momentum win heading into the tournament <laughs> than beating the number five team in the state that you know isn't in your district so you don't got to worry about them now yeah but but geez i mean they're gonna believe they can beat anybody now Mm -hmm. and i I, we were just texting about it that morning and i had said something like you know it's really awesome how danbury they've rebuilt their program and you know they've done all these great things and they have a collection of of awesome players but now this this everts player comes in (laughs) as a freshman and it it stonewalls you and we i was basically saying you know they're not going to really have a chance at the river because she's such a good player and they're going to build around her but you know, I they the Lakers immediately make me eat my words just a few hours later by getting an upset. And you wrote about it um, in the story in the Register a little bit about how nerves got the best of them the first time, but in the second matchup, not so much. And I guess like talk about that composure. Do do you think when you watch them last night and you see their composure, do you think that's something that Joe Miller and and that staff can transition and they can use that in big games? weeks from now whether it be for a district or even in the regional round oh 100 i mean this is a team that is 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 ready and loaded to go in a district championship and i think you know if you had any doubts about their big game chops last night you know put those doubts to bed this team should win a district title their new london the two seed is good but danbury this is the year they have three good seniors three good juniors at the start of the rotation 
and 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 they should go win a district title. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, talking about the Wildcats a little bit, let, let's let's preview. You know, Eric Mitchell's squad. Um, they'll face the winner of uh, St. Mary's and St. Paul, uh, who will face off in the sectional semis. So interesting matchup there. And um, and then you know, what are New London's prospects? Another team that has rebuilt over the years. I remember interviewing Mitchell. You know, three years ago, and that program was was not in a good spot. But he had plenty of faith, and, and look at them now—a a, two seed in this district. Well, yeah, two years ago they went one and twenty-one, Drew. <laughs> um, but but that same year, their eighth graders went undefeated in the and won the finals mm-hmm. conference, and and that's that's the group along with a couple seniors that went through the through the downtime, and they're really good. I'm guessing they're you know if you look at it, and Danbury is the favorite and should be the favorite. You say that this is the new London team that makes the district final, and then uses that you know, next year and goes and wins it next mm. year. That's kind of what it feels like that they're not that they are a year away talent wise, but that just that might be how it plays out. Mm. Um, but I mean, that that would be an exciting uh, district championship match if, if it's Danbury and New London. Um, do you want to touch on St. Paul, St. Mary's a little bit? Kind of some interesting intrigue there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, if you have any tidbits, share them. I mean, that's clearly a matchup where w- one of those teams has to win and, and whoever's going to win it, you know, that's going to be a big moment for their season and especially for, you know, the seniors. I mean, you know, we talk about someone like Natalie Pujol all the time. I've watched a couple St. Mary's games. She does not like to lose. No. And they've lost a lot this year and last year. And I really think and sometimes I just watch them and I just think she should go shoot like 30 times a game. Yeah. But she's such an unselfish teammate and player. It feels like she wouldn't do that. But I guess, you know, what are your tidbits on that front? That's kind of what I think about first when I think about this game. Well, I mean, it's so intriguing. These teams played in the season opener, right? Mm-hmm. And St. Paul wins four by a point in overtime on a Chloe Smith buzzer beater, mm-hmm. a senior for the Flyers. And that's St. Paul's only win, and St. Mary's doesn't have a win, right? So so the odds – the it. Uh, when the bracket came out, I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "I was like, cool." Like, but but seriously, like it, it'll be a cool opportunity for these teams to play. You know, a really competitive game, um, and, and you know, St. Paul's players will get one more game on their home floor. Yeah, and and St. Mary's players will get that. You know, they'll take the trip down there, really believe in themselves that they can win a basketball game, and they can. And and uh, it'll be fun to follow next uh, Wednesday and just see how that goes. Mm-hmm, definitely. And. Um... Let's uh, let's move into our final our final team. We're going to talk about uh, here today in the preview. Talk a little bit about uh, Monroeville and and their prospects in this district. Uh, they're facing. Let me see. They're facing six seeded Plymouth, a five versus a six, and the winner will face uh, Mansfield Christian, the four seed. Uh, so a little bit of uh, a fun number games there. But uh, talk a little bit about Ryan Bones' squad, one of your favorite uh, coaches in the area. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, to touch on what Drew just said, Ryan reports his scores and his game results as good as anybody. Promptly, he gives us quotes, you know, he'll send us a text with quotes in it. <laughs> he'll tell us, you know, any career highs. Ryan's on his thing in his first year down there. But um, the thing that's impressed me about Monroeville this year, Drew, is they had a couple girls that were open enrollees, including Ryan's daughter, Grace, who's a really good player, who didn't move, which meant they could play the first half of the year, and then they had to sit out from then on. Mm. And so, so like halfway through the year, this team basically had to redo their rotations, you know, to work new girls in, and, and they haven't missed a beat, which mm. just tells me, that, you know, they believe in one another, they're well coached, they do good things. Um, Grace Steber just set yeah. their three-point single season record. Um, they split with Plymouth during the regular season, so I'd expect this to be a really good game. But I, I've just been really impressed. It seems like they got good things going. And another group that will have most of their talent back next year. Hmm. And you visited them. They they had a victory over... I saw them play Seneca East, uh-huh. um, where they nearly gave... They got up big, nearly gave it away, but then showed some composure down the stretch. Um, a fun game. But uh, I told Drew I was going to whine about this, so I'm going to whine about it. So <laughs> in this system that, that you Ohio... Sports fans know well the coaches place themselves on the brackets, which leads to avoiding certain matchups as long as you can. And and what that means is that we in the sectional semifinal round, we've got a 10 seed playing an 11 seed, St. Paul, St. Mary's. And in the same round of the same bracket, we have a five seed Monroeville playing a six seed Plymouth. And to me, that's just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Like Monroeville plays this great season. They have this two parts of their season that's totally different. They play well. They earn a five seed. And then they, you know, if this bracket was normal, this 12 seed, 12 team bracket, four teams are going to buy, and then the five seed Monroeville will play the 12 seed. Yeah. Right? They beat Lucas, it's a win, then they're playing a four seed. But we, it's a totally different setup. 
And and I frankly, it, it feels silly, and it also feels a little unfair to the teams that are seeded better. Hmm. Like, why should Monroeville have to play six-seed Plymouth in the first round? Right, as like, opposed to— they earn the five-seed. As opposed so, to playing the 11-seed or whatever, right, right, however right. it would shake out. Right, they'd get the 12. I mean, it would be— it would be you know, that's so I, I don't like that. And I wanted to whine about it. And now I've whined about it. Well, a great point that you brought up to me was that it would just eliminate the meetings where the coaches have to pick their assignments. You know, it would just you would automate everything and it would basically just be like, here are the brackets and nobody's deciding anything. And there we go. And, and the other thing now, Drew, that we've gone to this Max Preps RPI computer formula statewide, mm-hmm. they classically and still do that tournament draw two weeks before the season ends. Now that it's computerized. You don't have the process where coaches voted for their seeds anymore, which was part of the reason it was two weeks before the end to sort of let coaches get that out of the way. Now that you have it computerized, you can take it to the last game of the season, Mm -hmm. have the most accurate brackets, and and have just – it would also create dialogue. We'd be able to say so-and-so clinched a bye, so-and-so clinched home games, clinched the one seed, you know? And like you said earlier with Lexington beating Shelby in the late stages of the season, yeah. that should absolutely impact seeding, but it doesn't because it's in that gap yeah. between when it's decided and right. when playoffs it, it's like It's like for the teams that aren't playing for a league title, what are you even playing for in those two weeks? Right. You know? like, but, you know, you're playing for stuff. I don't want to belittle that. Yeah. But, but yeah, it seems like this system, especially now that it's gone to the computer formulas, um, you really should just go all the way and, and go to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man, but but it it it'll be exciting if if Danbury could win a district title for sure. I mean, we didn't say we didn't name any of their players when we went through them, right? Yeah, and they, I wanted to ask you because you're talking about Edison. We were talking about Edison. And you were saying you know they're a little balanced sometimes in these tournament games. Yeah. You have to go. You need someone who goes against yeah. you twenty. What do you say about Danbury, who they play very unselfish, but maybe they don't have that player either? I mean, Maringer is kind of like that, but right. it feels like they don't they don't have that either. They're just very balanced. Yeah, they are very balanced. They're very unselfish. They like each other. Um, Maria Maringer definitely is sort of the, you know, your classic, you know, wing who can do it all and, and can get to the basket, can shoot from outside. The thing that I've been impressed with and I think is their difference maker as they've gone along is that Kelly Ewink, a senior forward, and Mia McDonald, a junior forward, they're the best like high school girls pass like big to big passers that I've seen anywhere around like high low block to block mm. they're getting each other layups to each other you know not from the point guard it's the it's the four and the five getting each other open I mean it happened over and over in the Gibsonburg game Mia had 20 and 10 and Kelly had 16 and 16 and and they you know they create so much of that for each other and, uh, you know, you got a, a 5-2 point guard in Macy Brown who somehow averages eight rebounds a game. And leads and, the SBC in assists. And, and, yep, and head gets all the steals. And, and, and they're really fun. And, and frankly, you know, it, it, you can squint and see them making a really deep run. Yeah. Um, if they win, they if they were to win this district, they likely play Loudonville with Corey Vermilia, who's a stud, mm. who just beat Port Clinton by six. Danbury beat Port Clinton, right? So that's a good game. And you could you could get a regional final rematch with Gibsonburg, which would be awesome. <laughs> um, but so so you can squint and see a really deep run for the Lakers. They've never won a district title, so they made first it things the, first, right? Made, oh, a hundred percent. That they would celebrate that like it's the Super Bowl. But hey, man, you never know. And uh, they made it to the final for the first time ever last year. This is a down. Buckeye Central's won this bracket seven years in a row, mm-hmm. and now finally a down year opens the door and. Uh, just in time for Danbury to, to go knocking, I think. And Billy, who uh, bought a lot of stock on Danbury Island when he first joined the register, <laughs> is now ready to cash all that in with it, the district championship. I, I was thinking about this last night. It is it is cool in in our job where where you know occasionally you're like you're early on it, right? You see a no. team, you see them sort of start to grow. Like their starting lineup is is very similar to what it was two years ago Absolutely. when I first started covering basketball here. And, you know, you sort of see it, you're like, this team could be pretty good. And you're watching them last year, and you're like, this team is pretty good. And then you're watching them this year, and you're like, this team's really good. And it, it is cool in our job to see that growth. Yeah, and I'm really excited to see, like you said, with Unick and McDonald and see if those performances can transition to the postseason. That'll be the biggest question. Can they kind of get past that lack of experience and, and yeah. build and, and get a little further. All right. Well, it wouldn't be a uh, Sandusky Register Sports Podcast without a closing segment, a fun way for us to end things and uh, just me and Billy to goof around here on the job. Uh, so we decided to do... Uh, <laughs> Isn't that what we do entirely <laughs> on our job, Drew? Um, we want to we wanna, uh, do one of the... Cla- play one of the classics for you guys. We want to do um, some superlatives for the season. Just I've drawn a few up. Billy... 
He has prepared a few. Billy, you are. I have prepared nothing, so Drew's going to lead off. I'm going to lead off. Just so I know sort of how we're, how, you know, thematically how we're doing this. All right, fine. I was going to uh, offer that to you, but I suppose let's just go with one that's easy and simple and follows what we're talking about. Um, I've got the Caitlin Clark Award uh, that, that's going to Ellie Everts, and I think we've already had a conversation Where's Billy, number 22, man? about how the similarities are just far and wide, and I think Caitlin Clark, who's someone that if you ask a lot of ballers in the area, you know, who do you look up to or what's your what's the person that, that you think about, it's Caitlin Clark, and of course a big night for her the night before we record this podcast <laughs> with the, breaking the, the NCAA scoring record. 49. Yeah, so certainly a, a, a timely note, but, but here's just why. I, you know, first and foremost, the eye test with Ellie Everts. If you're someone who's skeptical about um, women's basketball or you're someone that maybe doesn't prefer it, you think maybe there's a few too many tie-ups or, or a little messier play, I challenge you to go watch, buy a ticket, watch a Gibsonburg basketball game, watch Ellie Everts, and walk away with the same perspective. Because Ellie, the dynamic way that she plays, Billy's there last night, she's got a half-court buzzer beater. That's just one of the many things she can do. Step-back jumpers. I mean, her range is unlimited. She is is a logo shooter to a T, but she's a very diverse player. I mean, she's got 85 assists. I talk about Macy Brown. She's tied for first in the SBC. She's sixth in blocks. She's got 24 <laughs> blocks on the year. She's third in steals with 4.4 per game. Yep. You know, this is for all the SBC, mind yep. you, not just the river. And she's got 98 defensive rebounds. She ranks above 6'4", Caitlin Terinsky, Ariana Buckley from Port Clinton, Cassidy Lane from Margaret, Addie Lasivita from Huron. These are tall, tall players, you know. She's got 73 threes, and the next highest is D.C. Lanier with 48. And Ellie's shooting 41.7%. So I just, I went through the SBC stats, and I just wanted to say that the numbers check it out, the eye test checks it out. This is the Caitlin Clark of our area, and it's not something we just discovered, and she's a junior. She's a freshman, folks, so... Plenty of time to see her develop and just see the, the, the sky's the limit for, for this young lady. I love the love you just gave to Ellie. She's such a good player. Uh, seems like a really good kid getting to play for her dad there in Gibsonburg. Um, like you said, sky's the limit. Um, I'm going to give the how did she do that superlative to DC Lanier. I was thinking back on this play. I texted the video to Drew when it happened early in the year. She was double team near half court. Somehow she not only escaped the double team, she did a spin move through the front of the double team and set up a layup for her teammate. And and it was like, but she does that like five, she does things like that five times a game. Hop steps, Euro steps, threes that are like, wait a minute, how did she get open and then get it off and then make it? The shot she hit to become Port Clinton's all-time girls scorer was this ridiculous going to her right three-pointer on the right wing. I mean, she, and she's been doing it for four years, right? She's been saying, everybody in the area has been saying, how did she do that for four years? And um, she's going to go to Siena Heights and, uh, and you know, probably do make people up there say the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, every time you see her in one of these pictures with with their, you know, she took a picture with the 1,000-point club at Port Clinton. And, you know, everybody's got six or eight or ten inches on her, right? <laughs> I know. Like DC, That's like, a funny like picture. You realize that DC, you know, she's 5'2 or 5'3. You realize, even when you watch her, that she's not big. But then you see something like that, like most basketball players aren't doing, you know, nobody's doing what they do at DC's size except DC. And so uh, that, that's my first superlative here. Well, you and I, we spend a lot of time on the baseline, Billy, you more yep. than I. And you understand that feeling when you just see a really dynamic athlete who gets a steal and is coming downhill in your direction. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh, crap. Like, I got to pay attention to this. And she's one of those players where when she gets the ball, she's going downhill. You know something like that. How did she do that? That's right. the type of moment you're going to see. All right, the next uh, superlative I have, uh, I'm going to give to uh, May Ramu, and I'm going to give her the Swipe or No Swiping Award. Nice. Because I, I, I am just so, um, you know, I, I'm so engaged with the way that May plays because she seems to have limitless energy, and she's really the only player that I can say that I get to see or that in, in pretty much all the SBC where you're never safe. <laughs> yep. She could be completely lost defensively. You could have, you know, gotten her on two 
two screens, yep. you know, stacked. Yep. She's going to find a way through and she's going to find a way to pick your pocket. And she just does it in a, a remarkable a, amount of ways. She's able to finish off of steals. Um, I, I, I did some more stat work for this one. She's got 117 steals. Nobody else in the SBC has more than 100. I think the next highest is 98. And May plays on a team that asks her to do a lot, right? I mean, Caitlin Tarinsky is probably the other best defender we have in the SBC. Right. Obviously a stark difference, but she has a lot of other great defenders and great players that she can lean on. A lot of times with May, she's creating a lot of these moments on her own. She's got good teammates, but the way that she's able to create turnovers and possessions just by herself uh, is extremely interesting. I mean, she's the best thief that we have in the in, in SBC basketball, for for lack of a better word. Yeah, I mean, she's got games with 13 steals, with 11 steals, with 10 steals, with 9 steals. Do you think she's steals. got a triple-double with steals this season? I, I, she probably doesn't have enough re- rebounds or assists in those games. Yeah. But plus, when you're stealing it, there aren't defensive rebounds to give. But yeah. she, uh, she snatches some of those, too. I mean, she set their single-season steals record with, like, four regular season games to go, plus whatever they do in the tournament. So that... The only person that's going to get that record potentially in the future is her next year. And if she doesn't get it next year, it's going to stand for a long time. Um, I like it. Swiper no swiping. That's a little Dora shout out yeah. from Drew. It's a, uh, I don't know if today's kids know Dora. Is Dora still a thing? I think it's I think it's still culturally re- relevant. It's one of those things that I'm last. sure our listeners will know Dora. But, right. but are, the, are the players we cover, do they know Dora? I don't know. We'll have to ask. Drew, how many awards are we doing? You got more than this? I have two more. Okay. So... Um, I was going to give the we'll, t- we'll stick with defense and we'll give the get that uh, weak stuff out of here award <laughs> to Kaylin Terinsky. I touched on it before um, she just blocks things that nobody else can touch and she does it over and over and frankly she steals things that nobody else can steal because her, her wingspan is unbelievable the fact that she's still a sophomore um, I mean she could I mean her stat line in a year or two might be unfathomably crazy and uh, I'm excited to to see what she can do. Do you do you notice kind of her swagger on some of those blocks too? Uh, there's one in particular yes. from that Norwalk game. Abby Koenig is coming down the right side of the lane, and Terensky just swats her, and you can see a little extra from KT, and it's not it's not taunting or anything like that. She just kind of takes an extra step after the block to like let her know, yeah, I'm right here. Yeah, let her and know I, get that weak stuff out of here. I here. just feel like I'm noticing that more from from her, yes. and and it it coincides with obviously you know when we see a special basketball player as a freshman, they're still a freshman, they're still a young person, and when you watch them through high school, you watch them develop and develop more confidence and more personality. I've seen that a lot from KT this year, and that's one of my favorite parts to watch when she makes those plays. Oh yeah, I wouldn't want to take my shot in there against her. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, okay, so my next one is also a Lady Red uh, superlative, and I'm going to give the uh, the Focus Award um, to Caitlin Terensky and to Haley Reese. And Corey Santoro, you know, 14 straight league titles. You know, he's taught Focus uh, on the basketball court and, and staying locked in uh, to his players. But this one goes a little off the court because, you know, uh, my affiliations with BCSN Erie, um, and we've done a lot of pancake player of the games for Haley Reese and Caitlin Terensky, <laughs> a lot. They probably can they take their so time. They probably have $100 in pancake money. I, I'm not exaggerating. But what the team does behind them for all these interviews is they'll try to do a human pyramid yep. uh, to try to, you know, have a cameo in the interview. And, you know, it, a lot of the interviewees that do this, they have great focus, but it takes a lot. You know, you're you're a little nervous for your interview. You're not sure what to say. And also behind you, your teammates are just <laughs> goofing off. And most of the time, those ladies do a great job at just staying focused. And, yeah. you know, there's a couple chuckles here and there, which are okay. But uh, I just wanted to commend them because I think that's very difficult. And I, I don't think a lot of people think about how difficult it is to be interviewed while also people are trying to distract you. Well, it's funny. I get distracted. I'll be like standing interviewing Corey Santoro, like halfway across the gym and be distracted. Distracted by you know Audrey Turner doing cartwheels like <laughs> over there, so I can I can understand that it's hard to focus in that spot for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a quarterback award for you, Drew nice. M- Macy Brown from Danbury quarterback oh. award. She throws the, the it's not really quarter it's more like the Kevin Love two hand chest pass like over the defense. She looks for it. Every single time she gets an outlet pass, and she throws it like half the time she gets the outlet pass, and it's always a dime, man. She's just whoop, 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 you know, over the defense getting layups. It's really fun. She's 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 just a cool point guard. There's nothing more, not I shouldn't say nothing more, but it's so enjoyable to see a player that 
gets the rebound and instinctively looks up court as opposed to like nothing's more deflating is when you're playing basketball than when you have mm-hmm. that free outlet and open, open and they don't hit and you. the person like they're looking at the ground or they're <laughs> looking at the point guard it's like ah come on we've got that play down the court and that's so cool to, to see someone like Macy Brown and the funny thing is like during the game you see the other team start to get back quicker because they realize it's going to happen so she just starts throwing the, the, these teardrops over them anyways <laughs> you know it's like oh they're kind of guarding them but I trust my, you know she trusts her receiver and uh, they go and get it well, hey, if Macy Brown ends up going to college, maybe she should enroll in a little rec flag football or something like that. Maybe she would maybe would transition to the gridiron. Who I knows? Like it. Who knows? Um, all right, I got one more uh, quick one for you, Billy. Uh, I'm going to give the real MVP. I'm going to give that to one Chris Higgins, who I think is a un- <laughs> I think that's an underrated part of this entire thing. And I, I provided some stats with some of my superlatives, and I think we don't credit people like Chris Higgins for having these statistical websites, right? And if you don't know Chris Higgins, he's a, a, an analytical, um, he works in analytics. He's a, a graduate of Norwalk High School. Teaches in uh, Norwalk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he has created the sbcstats.com website, which a lot of people use for statistics, myself included. But I didn't know, Billy, in exploring the page today, and I've explored it plenty of times, I just never went to this tab, that he provides, like, Next gen stat, like yep, anal- yep, like extra yep. analytics. He provides true shooting percentage, effective field goal percentage, player efficiency, and points per possession. I love it. A- and those are those are statistics that I think people don't understand. Though that's the difference between looking at stats and creating an opinion, and and actually filtering that through real facts, right? Discovering actually what's good through the lens of you know base points, rebounds, assists, and stuff like that. And so many times I feel like people thank us for doing a great job with our coverage and for, you know, all the stuff we do. And a lot of these unsung heroes, these people that provide us this information and statistics, they aren't often thanked. So I wanted to say thank you to Chris Higgins, the real MVP, for having that website. And I'm certainly going to be using true shooting percentage for a lot of my BCSN broadcasts in the future. I love that. I guess I'll match Drew with one more award. I don't have a great name for it. Um... But we're gonna give what it, we're gonna call, we'll give it the senior award. We're gonna give it to Lily Edwards and Eden Palomo, mm-hmm. um, two two stalwarts of the Margareta program. You know they helped lead them to the to the Final Four last year. And like Drew touched on, you know Eden knee injury earlier in the year. They get her on the court to set the all time three points record. They get her on the court na- last night on senior night to get Lily assisting a layup to Eden on senior night. Um, Lily's played through a shoulder injury all year. Just said like, nope, I'm not worried about you know what we can do to fix this because I'm playing my senior season. And, uh, you know, they, they, they embody sort of the, the spirit of that program. And, uh, you know, it feels like they've been there forever. Isn't it crazy to, I know you've seen that picture of them as young, I think they're like in eighth grade, right. taking a picture yep. with medals together. Yeah, they've, uh, they've never, you know, they've always won the SBC, man. And, <laughs> All uh, they've known is winning. Four league titles, a regional title last season, and a trip to the Final Four. And, I mean... It has been incredible to watch them grow and develop. Brian Collars, you know, he's not with us, but he's someone that's remarked on Lily and how her aggressiveness has has risen over the years. So, and just for uh, the listeners wondering, in eighth grade this year, there's a Palomo and there's an Edwards, <laughs> yes, and they're coming, and they're very good. We've already, I've already and got a Schaefer, and a Schaefer. So we've already got a chance to look at them, and so I, I don't think uh, Margaret is going anywhere. Not skipping a beat anytime soon. Well. Uh, we probably went a little bit over our time limit today, but that's fine. It was a lot of good coverage, a lot of good conversation. Billy, uh, thank you for joining me, of course, as always. And um, for anyone uh, engaged in the boys scene, we will have a podcast coming out in about a week or so um, covering all things boys tournament action. So you're going to want to tune in for that one. Of course, visit SanduskyRegister.com uh, for all your local sports coverage. So, Billy, any last words before we, uh, before we say sayonara? Best time of year, Drew. Best time of year. Best time of year indeed. All right, folks. uh, Thank you for listening. And tune in next week for more Sandusky Register Sports Podcast.